eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back, baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is reception, reception, the show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception, the show. All right, Matt. Um, it wasn't the spiciest of NFL trade deadlines by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly. Um, well, to be honest with you, I think we probably got the spiciest news after the trade deadline in the fact that the Raiders moved on from their head coach and GM again, again. Uh, unbelievable stuff happening there in Las Vegas, man. Yeah. <clears throat> trade deadline was interesting from uh, a defensive perspective. You know, uh, the true, Washington commanders are, are waving the white flag. That's nice to see. A um, lot. Hey, as if it wasn't uh, already a defense that you could exploit, a lot of shootouts coming in games uh, where the Washington Commanders will be featured. That's for right. sure. But yeah, right. obviously, Josh McDaniels. <laughs> you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, I live on the East Coast now, so I didn't get this news until this morning uh, because I'm yeah. not up at 1 a.m. like a psycho. But. Um, <laughs> Just just hilarious stuff, you know. Uh, by the way, I saw that uh, you you had something in here from the Bill Barnwell article where he wrote about yeah. this. Um, I <laughs> I thought it was funny that I saw uh, Bill tweet out his article where he said in the cell of it, he says, Josh McDaniels didn't self-scout, got almost every big decision he made wrong, created his own personnel problems, and cemented his legacy as one of the worst head coaching hires of the last two decades. I was, And so I quote to it that I was like, oh, well, wow. other, other than that, everything wow. was great. <laughs> and the crazy thing about wow. this, I mean, there's a lot of crazy things to, to, to unpack here, but, right. you know, uh, Kevin Clark, uh, another smart football guy that I follow. Very smart. Obviously, he, he's great. He is, he's talks about like coaches as being pre-fired. Like you, you look at a guy and you're just like, oh yeah, he's, he's so fired. Like it's just a matter of time. Like 
He's talked about Adam Gase with the Jets as, as being a pre-fired guy. <laughs> uh, you know, Mike Malarkey with the Titans, oh, totally man. pre-fired. And yeah. and Josh McDaniels was so pre-fired the moment he was hired. And the, obviously, Barnwell says, like, every big decision was wrong for, for, for Josh McDaniels. And the amazing right. part about this, James, is that, like – the biggest decision he made was obviously to move on from Derek Carr, which, by the way, in and of itself is a totally, completely defensible position. Okay, mm-hmm. um, I agree. You know, we look at the product that the damn Saints are putting out there with Derek Carr. Alvin Kamara has seven more catches on the season than any other running back, and the guy was suspended for three games three to games. start the season. <laughs> so they're they're not a serious three operation. Games. That's not a serious quarterback. But for the plan to be. We're going to sign Jimmy Garoppolo and just go from there. Like, has any decision ever been more um, just no, like everybody else knows it's a bad decision except the person and, you know, Dave Ziegler, obviously the GM also canned today. Has, has any decision ever been like, yeah, everyone knows this is wrong except the person making it. That, that, that was that type of decision. So let me go one level up from that, actually, right? So yet another Bill Belichick assistant, yet another Patriots front office guy. It doesn't work out. And it's like, so let me go one level up, right? So we all knew, okay, this Josh McDaniels thing, most likely not going to work out when he got hired. Okay, fine. So no, but no one thought that he was going to get canned, you know, freaking a year and a half into his six-year tenure, man. He lasted longer as the Broncos head coach uh, than, than, the, than, the, than his time as the Raiders head coach. Crazy. Um, but that being said, it's like how many times NFL owners must we go through this Patriots carousel before you realize it doesn't work when you don't have Bill Belichick and Tom Brady together? Guys, it's not it's, – I just – how many times must it spectacularly fail before we've realized, okay, we're done with this, you know, Patriots thing. Like, I don't understand. Go through the list and it's just, I mean, spectacular fail, spectacular fail, spectacular fail. There's no one. And people, and you know, again, uh, the casual fans be like, well, what about, what about Vrabel? Vrabel never came through the coaching ranks. Right. He was a player there. He didn't come up through the coaching ranks there in new England. And it's like, Yo, guys, man, come on. Like, I, I just, I'm just shocked by how many times it must fail this badly. And it's not even like kind of bad. It's horrifically bad. And the owners continue to think like, oh, there's a, a, such a thing as the Patriot way. The Patriot way now just means you lose in horrible, spectacular, flame-throwing fashion. That's, that's the Patriot way. I mean, that, well, so I, I'm just confused. I don't think you got to worry about it happening again. I don't think people are going to be lining <laughs> up done to, to give done Bill now. O'Brien a second head coaching job at the end of this season. I don't oh think Steve and, and all the other Belichicks that are there. Charlie are Weiss. I mean, it, I just go through the list. It's uh, it's Matt unreal. Patricia. Matt Patricia. Horrible. I mean, and, and you know, a lot of these guys, too, took on winning programs. Like Josh McDaniels mm-hmm. took on a winning program, right? Like Sort of, I, I, yeah. I, I mean, they, look, they went to the playoffs. They won double-digit games. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, what, what happens? He immediately turns a double-digit win team into a six-win team, right? It's like, that's what happened with Matt Patricia. They go to the playoffs, they fire their guy, and uh, Matt Patricia, uh, it, you know, and all of a sudden, the Lions are an absolute laughing stock in the NFL. I don't know, man. It's unbelievable. Um, you know, the other thing, too, just from a personnel standpoint, 
this is a everyone knows it's uh, this about the Raiders, but it's a cash poor team. So they're already paying out John Gruden. Now they've got to pay out McDaniels for the next four oh. years. By the way, McDaniels is making, you know, reportedly, they don't officially have to say this, but reportedly making 10 mil a year. He's making as much as Shanahan right now, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. <laughs> so he's making as much per year as Kyle Shanahan, which is just wild stuff. We're talking about a cash poor team already paying out for John Gruden and now Josh McDaniels. I mean, Good luck trying to sign free agents. You know, it's going to be tough because they're going to try to backload a lot of these contracts and and some of the top flight free agents are not going to be having it, which, as Bill Barnwell points out, may be a blessing in disguise because, you know, if you can't go after free agents, you, you've you pretty much said, all right, now we need to build through the draft. I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's a blessing in disguise for the Raiders, man. Right. It's never like, I mean, their biggest free agent move of, of note lately is Chandler Jones, who is currently oh, not on the team. Man, Talk about an absolute train wreck of a signing uh, there. And, and obviously you couldn't have foreseen the, um, you know, the mental health issues there uh, with Chandler, but that's OK. Uh, look, this this is a podcast that that focuses not on stupid coaching decisions and GMing type of you know stuff, but we talk about wide receivers a lot. So I'll ask you this, Matt Harmon: uh, Any hope rest of season here for Devonte Adams and Jacoby Myers? Well, I should redact what I said. Their biggest free agent move is not Chandler Jones of note; it's actually Jimmy Garoppolo, who is not going to start the rest of the season. Reportedly, right. they're just going to they're just going to play out the string with Aiden O'Connell, which. I mean, I guess that's fine, right? Because, you know, the only reason Jimmy Garoppolo is there is because of the head coach that you just fired is, is literally the only reason that he was yeah. the starting quarterback there. So you might as well, I guess, just see what Aiden O'Connell has left. <clears throat> I don't know, man. I, I O'Connell is interesting because he was good in the preseason. He pushed the ball down the field. He pushed the ball down the field <clears throat> a little bit when we've seen him so far in the NFL – but yeah. he also um, just took an absurd amount of sacks. I mean, that game against Khalil <laughs> Mack against the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Oh, I mean, even Sam Howell was like, "Dude, you got to get rid of the ball." Down. <laughs> I think he converted something like seventy-seven right, percent right. of his pressures into sacks, according to Fantasy Points data in that start. Khalil Mack, who was you know on a milk carton up to that point, had had was, we have like five sacks in that game, six yep. sacks or something mm-hmm. in that game. He just absolutely absurd stuff. So. I just don't know what the future holds for O'Connell, but you might as well take a look. It, it can't get much worse. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, usually we think of him as a guy that's going to get the ball out quick. He's going to process the, he's going to process things quickly and get the ball out quick and keep the offense on schedule. His time to throw was like 2.85 seconds this year, which is the highest of his entire career. Cause like, you watch him back there in the pocket, man, and he's just, he's like bouncing around, like looking at, doesn't know what to do. He's his head's everywhere. Like you rarely do you see like a quarterback so just lost in the pocket, man. So um, and, you know, he's throwing picks left and right, which isn't totally shocking because he's always been a little bit more of like an interception machine than people want to think. Like exactly. So I, I guess it's like it's probably if you're thinking about them like fantasy or anything, it's probably like lateral move, I guess, going to O'Connell. I mean, at least he's showing ability to get these. Yo. Yo, Jimmy G's got to be the worst "quote unquote" game manager in the history of the NFL. Easy, you're Easily. you're a game you're a game manager that throws picks. Like, come on, dog! Like, this is not that's not a good combination. What the hell's going on Easily. out here? Easily one of the worst <laughs> game managers of all time. Um, you know, he misses throws. We know that too. Uh, again, yep. O'Connell might not be an upgrade in that regard, but he certainly 
is aggressive. He's certainly going to push the ball downfield. Um, yeah, I agree. So, so that can be good. It's just it's a it's a good situation with those two receivers. I mean, Jacoby Myers is certainly like a Patriots cronyism signing, but he's been a for sure. really good player for them <laughs> and been kind of like exactly yeah. what this offense needs across for Devontae Adams. But I just think if like I'm a player in that locker room, I'm like just looking around like, well, are we wasting? The, the next like three months of our lives basically or next two months of our lives pretty much like because you know your your head coach is fired your gm is fired your offensive coordinator is fired yeah um all of this stuff is just you're your starting quarterback that was supposed to be like oh let's rally around jimmy he's benched you know they're just gonna start the race. they're just <laughs> and they're just playing out the string <laughs> at this point you know they sign antonio or antonio pierce the head coach yeah that i don't know we'll see about that but it it just I, I think if I'm Devonte I'm I'm losing my mind over like where my career is at this point Max Crosby I mean at least he doesn't he doesn't know greatness right like that that Devonte has known what it's like to be a part of the Packers yeah. organization to be a contender right, right, right. at least I mean Max Crosby didn't know any better right because he's just been with this Garbo Raiders <laughs> team forever but he's like one of the best players in the league he takes over he, he is, wrecks he is, games yeah. yes, without yes. a single other good player on that defense Period. Nope. And and it's Period. just unbelievable that these guys have to just basically waste now uh, like a half season of their career. Uh, so I will go on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And maybe I'm going to sound foolish here uh, by taking a ha- glass half full approach here uh, with the Raiders. But to be honest with you, I'm actually hopeful because one – what we know about McDaniels is that he's a dark cloud um, in mm, the locker room. True. You know, he again does the exact opposite thing of what a good head coach should do. He doesn't uplift. He 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 pushes everyone down, right? Right. We saw that with Hunter Renfro, right? Like the guy could not get on the field, right? When I look at this roster, Matt, I'm actually not horrified by it. To be honest with you, offensively, we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about Devonte Adams, still a great player on the X. Jacoby Myers, who can play in two or three wide receiver sets as a flanker or slot man. And again, I'm actually holding out hope for Hunter Renfro because I actually think he's a good player, right? right? Do I think he's a great player? No. But when John Gruden was the head coach, this is a guy that did play a good chunk of his snaps as an outside wide receiver as a flanker, right? So... I just think that if, and again, we've got a former NFL player, Antonio Pierce, as the head coach, I think he's going to figure out a way to, again, you lift that dark cloud away from Josh McDaniels, you bring in Antonio Pierce, who I think is going to probably help motivate these guys just a little bit. I don't know, man. Like I look at the roster and, oh, by the way, tight end, Michael Mayer, again, young, promising, athletic tight end. They've got pieces, Josh Jacobs at running back. They've got pieces on this offensive side of the football where I actually don't think it's hopeless. Um, And it's not a roster where I look at, for example, I look at the Giants roster outside of Saquon Barkley, and you're like, my God, give give me a break, right? Like, this is a problematic unit. I don't see that with the Raiders. So that's why I will take a much more optimistic approach to this Raiders season. Not, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to win a ton of football games, but at least be competitive, have some fun out there. And, and, and again, I just think, look, especially in football, Matt, especially in football, Matt, effort and belief are like 75% of the game. Yeah. And I, bro, Josh McDaniels gave you zero belief 
And you got to think the effort's probably not that high with the roster with Josh McDaniels uh, at the helm. No, you know what? You're totally right because it's one of those, they're one of those teams where it's like, you know what? Josh Jacobs is giving 100%. Max Crosby's giving 100%. Like Devontae Adams is giving 100%. Jacoby Myers is giving 100%. Everybody else, though, like, yeah, the stars on this team, you could tell they're playing up to potential. They're they're playing extremely well. Even though Josh right. Jacobs hasn't had like a great season or anything, guys getting crushed behind the line of scrimmage literally all the time. You know, right. and obviously he's been at a contract impasse with the team too. Totally a yeah, Josh yeah, Daniels yeah. thing, I'm sure. Hundred um, percent. You know, so <laughs> I get, I, right. I actually get your point of what you're saying there. That like now, if everybody else can start to get on board and believe, like and match yeah. the intensity level of the stars, I get, I get that point there. And you know what? By the way, I just thought about this too. Um, I, I, like I mentioned, Mick Lombardi fired as the offense coordinator. You know right. who was the pass game coordinator on the Las Vegas Raiders? James, I have Coe? no idea, no clue. Scott Turner, former oh. Washington oh. football oh. team oh. offensive oh, really? coordinator. Yeah, oh, really? buddy, and and I like Scott Turner. <laughs> I'm yes, like a do. weird, I'm a weird yes, Scott Turner fan. Uh, so <laughs> oh, if really? if Scott gets to take over as the play caller, I okay. like a lot of what he We're did working. with Washington with like some spread and shred stuff. Um, I always said, like, I think he probably had issues with the sequencing of plays. Like, okay, we're going to do this one thing and we're just (laughs) never going to do it again. Uh, We're going to, we're going to go away from it, even though we can probably just hammer what's working. Like just press those easy buttons, baby. Like that could happen. But, um, you know, and again, it's not as if we're working with like a veteran quarterback here with Aiden O'Connell. No, but, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I like, I've always liked the way Scott Turner designs plays. Uh, I think the play calling <laughs> could be better. So uh, we could be looking at a fun offense here to to close the year out. Um, you know, so maybe maybe I'm I'm being a little too pessimistic here. But you're right. Like, I mean, the Hunter Renfro thing is, a, and I feel like we talk about Hunter Renfro a lot on this show for a guy that has literally done like nothing for nothing. the last year yeah. and a half. But a lot of that, you got to go back to the the head coach. With yes, with, that was the rumor was that he was he had like a fractured relationship with Hunter Renfro. It's like, how do you have a fractured relationship with Hunter <laughs> Renfro? Like, what are we doing here? Like, as if this guy was some kind of you know, problem child or something. I know, so I know, I know. Yeah, Hunter Renfro will probably catch like ten balls next week as Scott Turner has him in motion all over the place and doing Hell some yeah. crazy slot receiver stuff. So you know what? I'm kind of ba- I'm, I'm kind of back on board with uh, the Raiders yeah. Being, let's go with being more fun and interesting the rest of the season. Not that that was a high bar to clear. No, it was, I mean, you hit it right on the head, man. They're going to be more interesting. I swear to God, they're going to be more interesting. Um, I don't think that they're going to go into the tank. Um, and, and again, it's not like, remember with the Colts too, you know, it's like completely, you know, again, obviously they've got, you know, a problematic, you know, um, owner as well, but I don't see this ownership group reaching out to like, I don't know, like Rich Gannon or something and being like, right. yo, Rich, can you, can you, uh, can you be a head coach here? I think they're going to let it play out with Antonio Pierce. And I do think, um, that Pierce will, will get these guys lifted up just a little bit, man. I don't know. I think they're going to be a lot more fun. I think they're going to be a lot more interesting as the season moves on. Hunter Renfro's back. Scott Turner's back. Uh, The boys are back, baby. They're back. Uh, They're they're back. They're going to be doing stuff. It's going to be exciting. Uh, Redemption story for the rest of the season for the Raiders there. I I do agree with you, though, that like McDaniels is so toxic and he's just such a, a dark cloud. 
I agree that removing him, like it is an addition by subtraction type of thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. And again, I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. I just look, Antonio Pierce was this fiery player too, you know? So I, I'm just, I'll, we'll find out. Champ. Uh, yeah, absolutely. With the Giants, man. Like we'll find out, we'll find out what's going on there. Um, Okay. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Detroit trades for Donovan Peoples-Jones. My immediate reaction wasn't, oh, DPJ or whatever. I know Marvin Jones. They just keep training for Joneses here. But um, DPJ, uh, Marvin Jones leaves the team for personal reasons or whatever. DPJ comes in. But my initial reaction, Matt, was, is this a bad sign for Jamison Williams? Is this a sign that that Detroit is, is signaling that, yo, Jamison's not there and we've got a roster right now that is built to contend this year right now and jameson's may not help us that was my initial reaction what was your initial reaction to seeing dpj sign with detroit i mean signaling watch (laughs) watch the games (laughs) not a lot of not a lot of like hidden morris code you need to you need to uncipher there i mean fair has there been like I mean, he scored the one long touchdown his rookie year on on a busted coverage. Uh, he had one touchdown this year, which yeah. like I, I keep bringing it back with it. Like James Williams, after he caught that touchdown, he like tracked everyone's shoulder, looks back, like he keep look, having issues tracking it. Finally, grabs it, like barely catches it, and then he's like getting coaching points from Antoine Randall on the side, right, right, after right, scoring right. a touchdown because he barely got that one. I mean, there's been so little positive signs or signals to build off of with Jamison Williams. So I'm overall pretty just like we'll I'm still in we'll see territory with Jamison Williams. And I think the organization is, too. And, um, you know, Josh Reynolds hasn't really produced as much lately as he did to start the season. Uh, And I said going into this year that despite Josh Reynolds being a pretty good player um, and, you know, having a lot of history and familiarity with the quarterback outside receiver was their biggest um, problem now. And speed, you know, speed on the outside speed. So, yeah, I mean, um, DPJ definitely brings you vertical ability. He was kind of a vertical threat for uh, the Cleveland Browns last year. Now he hasn't done a thing 
really this not year. A- he's been getting he's been getting his cardio in for sure. He's run a lot of routes and not getting a lot of targets. But then again, they're not pushing the ball downfield in Cleveland at all either. So no, no. I think he is like a jag, a total you know replaceable player, Donovan Peoples Jones. But they needed bodies on the outside uh, at receiver, and and DPJ does give them a viable body. I mean, it, it's one of those ham sandwich trades, right? Where you know, like, all right, we'll give you a pick in 2025, whatever. Yeah, we'll, yeah right, right, right. Go ahead and take it. Who cares? But uh, yeah. it, it's 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 an option for them where they did not have one. It's But it's such a, if you think about it, you're saying he's just a guy, right? Um, and again, uh, eight catches for 97 yards on the season. So when we say he really hasn't done much, he really, really has not done very much uh, on the season. But again, what... I don't I don't want to call an indictment on Jamison Williams, but when the team moves for a guy like DPJ, who we're saying is, is we're telling you is maybe not anything special, probably not a good look for a guy that they spent first round draft capital on there in Jamison Williams. Um, I want to focus here a little bit on DPJ, though, because there's not a whole lot to go on. Uh, with Jamison Williams as of right now, uh, we've given mm-hmm. you the takes, man, you know, but. DPJ, 6'2", 210 pounds. He's a big guy, um, and he ran a 4.4840, which is okay. It's it's acceptable. But, bro, he has an insane vertical leap. 40, I've never seen this before, 44 and a half inches in terms of vertical jump. That's bonkers. That is absolutely bonkers. By the way, I'll also throw this out there. He had a 3.9 GPA in high school, reportedly. Okay. <laughs> I just throw it out there because what, that's you cool. Didn't, what was your GPA in high school? I, I don't weighted or unweighted. Wait, uh, listen, <laughs> if you have to ask, <laughs> I, I'm just saying. No, no, no. Look, look. Wait, uh, I think mine was like I don't know, probably like three, uh, three eight or something. Weighted, oh, it was my. like over four point oh. <laughs> so it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> mine was not okay. All right, fair. I didn't Uh, do well. I I didn't. Let's say this. I didn't develop my work ethic until later in life. Uh, There you go. But no, I'm just. I'd bring it up. Three point nine. You know, high school GPA. I was. That's kind of cool for DPJ. But uh, again, he's a a Michigan product. He's a Michigan Wolverine. But um, but you know, had some obvious athletic traits here. Um, Never had. Interesting note. Never had a hundred yard game at Michigan, which is Hmm. interesting to me. Um, when you're, when you take a, you, you know, your eye to DPJ's game, what do you see Matt Harmon? Yeah. So I did look at a couple games of him last year. You know, he's in the in-season tracker. I think he is like a long lumbering, like vertical threat, you know, like build up speed type of guy that makes yeah. sense with the 40 yard dash. There's not going to be a lot of separation underneath, which if you're the lions, like who cares? It's the last thing you need right now. You have, I'm on Ross St. Brown getting open in the short to intermediate area. You got uh, obviously Sam Laporta, like Jameer Gibbs is yeah. getting a ton. I really think Jameer Gibbs and, and Dave Montgomery are both going to be like fantasy running back twos rest of the season. I think they're both, they're going to get both these guys involved and they've kind of Let's figured so. out like, Let's yeah, they kind so. of figured out like, this is how we use David. This is how we use Jameer and like, let's, kind of mold those two together. I think will be the course of the, the way the rest of the year. So, I mean, they need DPJ to just like, run go routes and when we get when we target you catch it as opposed to like we target Jameson Williams six times and you catch zero of them zero right so yeah zero um I think DPJ if you just look at him last year yeah he was a guy that was certainly a vertical threat right 27.7 percent of the Browns air yards in 2021 like that was who he was he was he was a vertical guy um 
people kind of forget he was, yeah, he was like a high yards per catch guy throughout the course yeah. of his career. So um, I expect him to be that player for the Detroit Lions. It's not the best version that they could possibly have of that player, but it is certainly what they needed. So I get why they go out and they make this trade. The GM and head coach talked about DPJ's quote unquote versatility. I don't necessarily see it. Um, would you agree that he can play both inside and outside or is this more just like coach talk and that kind of stuff? Because again, he's lined up out. Yeah. He, he's been a 60, 40 outside inside guy in 2020. Um, excuse me, this year and last year. So, you know, 60, 40 inside out or outside inside, mostly outside, but pre Amari. Remember, um, this is a guy that played 80% of his snaps as an outside wide receiver. So it makes mm-hmm. sense that once you bring in Cooper, you've got to find, or you try to find a way where does DPJ fit in? So they kind of, you know, ramrod him into like a slot position. Uh, but before Amari Cooper got with the team, DPJ had run uh, 80% of his snaps outside. Uh, to me, that feels much more in line with what he can do, but maybe I'm speaking out of turn. I don't know. I think his best stuff is definitely, like I said, long developing vertical routes, sort of in like a um, poor man's Gabe Davis type of mold, maybe like a NBS type of uh, utilization. But I do think, you know, coming into the league, he was kind of like a player that people thought might be a slot receiver at some point. Um, So Hmm. maybe they see that, but maybe they just mean versatility from like a, all right, we can have him play flanker or we can have him play X, but he's primarily going to be an outside guy for them. Yeah. All right. There you go. <clears throat> so DPJ moves on. It's a it's a cascading, you know, dominoes here for both Jameson Williams and for a young player. I want to talk about trio of young players here that um, whether it's injuries or trades have opened up some opportunities for them. And again, I'll I'll go back to Cleveland and talk about a rookie there uh, from Tennessee in Cedric Tillman, a third round selection from Tennessee. Um Athletic dude, man, 6'3", 215 mm-hmm. pounds. He's got these giant meat hooks, man, 10-inch hands. Um, and, and, you know, he uses them uh, in contested catch for sure. Uh, he ran a four five four forty, So, you know, I would say below average speed, 37-inch vertical. That's about average, uh, again, given his size at 6'3", 215 pounds. Um, you saw him, you, you saw him at, at Tennessee there, Matt. Uh, what were some of your takeaways from Cedric Tillman? Yeah, I like Cedric Tillman as an ex receiver prospect in the league. And I do think, um, you know, Amari Cooper is a guy that you can use at X, you can use at flanker. Um, you know, Elijah Moore, I think they can use as a flanker. I think they, they use him a lot as a slot, too. So there's room for Tillman to get involved here. Uh, he was like a pure perimeter player at Tennessee in that kind of Looney Tunes offense. He at least had some more like real NFL ish usage. Um, on the line of scrimmage on 86.7% of his sample snaps for reception perception was um, outside for 90.7% wow. of his sample snaps from 2021, which was his um, breakout season. So like you really saw him use a, a lot on downfield routes. He was definitely a big contested catch player, second in the class uh, in contested catch rate, yeah. only two, the great Josh Downs. Another Josh Downs. <laughs> there you go. Um, nice. So he's, he's a little bit like <sighs> – a little George Pickens ish, but uh, much not as good against press coverage as George Pickens is. So um, I think that's probably the role you're looking at for him in the NFL. Like the stuff that pisses people off about Pickens's usage, right? Where he's like just pure X, run vertical routes and like kind of stretch the defense. That's probably yeah. what they want Cedric Tillman to be, which to be frank isn't that different from what Donovan Peoples Jones was giving them. Right. Just I think Cedric Tillman can be much, much, much better uh, than DPJ. 
Well, I would say that he could be much better just because of the contested catch stuff. I mean, that was my takeaway from watching him at totally. Tennessee was this guy, man, he's an absolute bear out there. You know, he plays the receiver position like, I don't know, like he's like a like a linebacker or something, you know, maybe the size certainly has something to do with that. 6'3", 215 pounds. But man, um, I don't see a ton of get off uh, and I don't see a ton of, you know, start stop ability. But man. Mm-hmm. You throw the ball his way, he's going to fight your ass for it. You yeah. Know I mean? Oh, yeah. That's what I liked about him. Yeah. Like like I said, I really liked him. Uh, I thought he was a good day two uh, X receiver prospect. I thought he could have gone a little bit higher, maybe more like a second round pick. So um, he gives the Browns some youth to work with for sure. So, look, we've seen very, very little of him at the NFL level so far. Did see some looks of him in the preseason, and I, I kind of liked what we saw in the preseason. So, um, definitely somebody to consider there. Keep your eye out for him the rest of the season. Look, I mean, the reality is that like the Browns have a lot of questions to answer from a pass yeah. offense perspective. Uh, Amari yeah. Cooper's played really well. I think they're leaving a lot of meat on the bone with Elijah Moore. Um, and then it's just, is Deshaun Watson going to be healthy? And if he's healthy, is he going to yeah. be effective? A lot of questions right. there. Are they going to even throw the ball? I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. Are they going to throw the ball enough for – uh, for you to see kind of, you know, pops here from, from Cedric Tillman every now and again. I don't know. We, ha- I mean, we haven't even seen it with Elijah Moore. And I, I think exactly. Elijah Moore is just a vertif- you know, verified good player. Right. Uh, so we haven't really seen that anyways. Um, okay. So injuries uh, have now opened the door for a couple of young guys. And, and I want to start there in new England. I was bummed out, man. Kendrick Bourne uh, over the last yeah, three weeks had really been playing good football. Um, I, I've been impressed with him since the jump of the season, uh, was really impressed week one and then kind of sort of moving on had, had become, I don't know, a de facto go-to guy for uh, Mac Jones. I know the offense is far from good, uh, but Kendrick Bourne was having a good season. Um, and it's unfortunate he tore his ACL now is going to be out for the season, but opens the door for a kid by the name of Demario Pop Douglas. What are your thoughts there um, on young Pop in New England? So, yeah, looked up two games so far for him, uh, charted for reception perception. Uh, hopefully, we'll have him in the in-season tracker here shortly. 87.2% of his snaps behind the line of scrimmage so far in these two games, and these are the most two most recent ones, Bills and Dolphins. Okay. Makes sense a lot, uh, right? That's who he's going to be. 64.1% of his snaps in the slot, 14.1% of his snaps in the backfield is a pre-snap motion off, uh, option, which I do think – Having Pop Douglas in there and being um, that pre-snap motion guy, it honestly just yeah. helps the offense out a ton um, because he's a verifiable threat on those pre-snap motion plays. Like, okay, you're going to have – if Juju Smith-Schuster, who, by the way, played ran 72% of his routes from the slot – or outside, excuse me, last week. Like, good luck with that. You know, you're not going to have him be your uh, – but honestly, I think it's because they want to get this guy Pop Douglas on the field. I think they want to get him <laughs> okay. on the field because he get because he gets open. Um, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say he's an incredible separator. Sixty eight point two percent success rate versus man, seventy six point seven percent success rate versus zone. Those are kind of like average ish, maybe slightly above average ability to beat man coverage. But if you're going to play as a slot receiver and you're going to win on those underneath routes, that's probably yeah. what you're going to have him do right. And, and that's mostly what you see. I don't see a guy that's going to get a lot of separation downfield, but on these slant routes, um, obviously like underneath routes, stuff like that. I think he is a guy who can actually give them legit separation. Whereas, you know, Devonte Parker is not doing that juju at this point in his career is not doing that either. No. So I don't think he is a one for one replacement at all for Kendrick Bourne, uh, because Bourne was giving them man coverage, a bit a beating ability outside. Yeah. And, Douglas is not going to do that, but 
I think it says a lot if they try to replace Kendrick Bourne with like Juju Smith-Schuster and Jalen Rager, and they just run Pop Douglas out as their full-time slot receiver. I think it says a lot about what the, how they view him as a player. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we started the show talking about the, the Raiders' um, offense and how I was a little bit hopeful for them. I feel the exact opposite for New England. You know, the, the one guy on this offense that was consistently giving them something was Kendrick Bourne. You know what I yeah. mean? And now he's gone. Um, and I don't really have a lot of faith in Bill O'Brien at this point that he's going to be able to cook up something, uh, for Mac Jones in this offense, man. It's so bad that, you know, preseason darling Ramondre Stevenson is looking real bad. Um, I'm surprised they didn't try to move on from Zeke Elliott. Um, you know, uh, the Patriots needed to do something, man. Like they got news of the Kendrick Bourne injury before the trade deadline, make something happen. I didn't understand from, and again, this is a common storyline, I think, with the Patriots, especially, um, well, I mean, really for the past 10 years, really, is that is that GM Bill Belichick is hurting head coach Bill Belichick, right? This is a team that either should be buyers or sell, but they got to make some kind of move here, knowing that Kendrick Bourne, your number one offensive weapon on this, you know, in this system is gone. I mean, make a move, either sell or buy. You know, do something. But as they stand right now, man, like ugh, this this offense looking pretty ugly. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows how I feel about Jerry Judy, but I think they should have traded for Jerry Judy, man. I mean, it's not bad. Uh, I don't know what they would have given up. I, I think Denver maybe again. I don't. I just don't think anybody was giving up much for for Jerry Judy. It's like, well, why yeah, not just keep him and, and play out the string here. But um, it sounds like it sounds like Denver was holding out for a first and they just never got that. They were never even going to get a second. OK, they were I, never yeah. even going to get a, a second. And I think like, that's so. that's the answer. And I think that's why Judy is still in Denver. Yeah, I don't even know if they're going to get a third. Honestly, I bet they got a lot of offers <laughs> for like a day three pick and they're like, well, screw yeah. it. We might as well just play out the string with this guy. So, right, right, right. But right. yeah, if I'm the Patriots, I might have thought about maybe at least ship. Well, then again, they probably have scar tissue from the um uh, Mohamed Sanu trade. Remember that oh one? Oh my God. Traded second, a second round, round pick, pick for, for Mo Sanu for Mo like Sanu. in the middle of the season. What, what were we doing on that one? So they probably oh. have some scar. T- Not that they get a receiver pick right anyways at, at, at any point. Um, so although I do, th- I do think this, uh, I do think Demario Douglas, Pop Douglas can give them a little bit of something. So, and you know, they drafted him. So that's great. Maybe they can get like, <laughs> they can get something there. Their other rookie, Kayshawn Booty. I mean, he hasn't played a snap since week one. Oh my God. I mean, I, jeez, what happened with Booty, man? Like highly oh, recruited player, play. you know, you look at his highlight tape from LSU or, you know, LSU, it's LSU, right? Um, yeah. yeah, LSU. You, you look at his highlight tape from LSU, man, you're like, oh, my God, this guy can can do some, you know, some special things, physical things. And just I don't think he took the combine seriously. His athletic testing numbers were weird. I just I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I never really saw it with Booty. Uh, the, his last year at LSU was not good. Uh, so there was a lot. And even his second season there was was not good. Like anytime a guy's a great freshman year and then just keeps like, you got to keep referencing that freshman year. It's usually not That's a good, good point. Yeah, that's probably a good point. Um, okay, I want to go to Buffalo here. Dawson Knox has an injury, uh, opens the door, obviously, um, for another wide receiver to kind of sort of step in and maybe take that inside role with Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs uh, playing outside. That man, at least this past week, was Khalil Shakur. 
Um, this is a dude that maybe if you're new to the program, Matt, you, you've said some nice things about Khalil. Um, what have you seen, you know, again, in that, uh, in that game that we just saw with Khalil Shakur here? Yeah. You know, I do the article every year, the kind of like roundup, right. For prospects that I don't get a full profile on. Right. Uh, my favorite guy from the roundup from last season was Puka Nakua. The guy the year before, like guys that are going to go on day three, mm-hmm. Khalil Shakir. I really liked Khalil Shakir. Um, he's just a very fun player. Uh, and honestly, James, if I could, if I could, you know, put it in, in a word um, yeah. or put it in a phrase here, I think the Bills may have accidentally stumbled on their best offense. I think really? he might have accidentally I think they might have accidentally stumbled on the best version of their offense because I'm I'm sure I talked about it on this. I know I've talked about it on shows before. The okay. problem when these teams go in 12 personnel, these two tight end sets, you know, they they start galaxy braining it like, all right, well, if we go out with two tight ends, they're gonna come out there in our base person in their base personnel, and it's like Dalton Kincaid on a linebacker, let's go. Like Dawson Knox on a linebacker, let's go. That's gonna be awesome. But then Teams know what they're you're doing. They're not stupid, okay? They're not they don't they don't just treat it as a two tight end set. They're like, you know what? Uh-huh. Dalton Kincaid is their big slot receiver. But especially, by the way, when you're Brandon Bean and these boys and you go out in press conferences like, yeah, well, we're actually not it's not twelve personnel. It's actually eleven and a half personnel. <laughs> Defenses hear that and they're like, Well, cool. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna put an MF and cornerback on Dalton oh Kincaid. And like, no matter how good of a route runner and like That's player funny. Dalton Kincaid is as a tight end, he's still just a, if all right, he's your slot receiver. He's a bigger, slower slot receiver. So yeah, congratulations. Exactly right. He's never exactly. gonna get open against NFL cornerbacks. It's just not going to happen, at least not consistently like like a regular old slot receiver would do. So I think they stumble into this version of their offense where against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Dawson Knox out of the mix, they played 78% 11 personnel. Going into the year or going to that game, it was 53.8%. Huge departure. Josh Allen was Huge. running with more two tight end sets than yep. any other quarterback right. basically so far this year. And – Again, I don't think it's a coincidence that they look like the best versions of themselves against the Bucks. Like Josh Allen's playing more free. Uh, you know, Khalil Shakir's running some vertical routes, and Gabe Davis is running some like shorter routes. And and then yeah. Steph Diggs is still doing his thing, you know? So to me, I think Khalil Shakir is a really important player for this Buffalo Bills offense going forward because this is a guy that in his reception perception uh sample in his um in that in that prospect roundup that I mentioned, seventy eight point three percent success rate versus man, eighty two point two percent success rate versus zone, eighty five point seven percent success rate versus press in very limited looks. But still, this yeah. is a guy that can get open, and like him as your slot receiver or as your flanker receiver when you want to move these guys around, he's just straight up going to give you more than Dalton Kincaid, even if Dalton Kincaid is a really really good tight end. Mm-hmm. He's a tight end. Yeah. And Kincaid and, and, and Kincaid can be a great tight end, but like get Khalil Shakir on the field because like the guy can do stuff and we saw it last week. I really think there's some staying power here. 
I love it, man. Uh, passionate words here for Matt Harmon in regards to Khalil Shakir. Um, by the way, random note here, but uh, Khalil Shakir has caught 14 of 15 targets thrown his way this year for a cool 93.3% catch rate. He's caught the last 12 targets thrown his way. All 12 of them have been catches. Um, and, and these are not like little, little, you know, bunny hop type things here. He's averaging 12.6 yards per reception, Matt, oh. over his last... 12 targets, man. Um, and again, 100% catch rate. Come on, dog. What's going on here? That's amazing. That is good stuff. Dude, I mean, look, you know it's like it's week nine. You're, you're starting to run on fumes a little bit when you're doing this every single week. And, and you know, you yeah. got, I'm, I'm hosting God knows how many shows. I'm writing articles. I'm charting routes. You know, got a real life going on here too. Got a lot going on. You know, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm running on fumes and it's like, man, I am gassed up about Khalil Shakir, but (laughs) 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 I've got, this is more more passion. I've been on the podcast in weeks over Khalil Shakir, but you know what? Hey, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this Khalil Shakir stuff. Um, 30 routes against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, not some joke of a defense, 70% of his, Routes from the slot. Don Kincaid, by the way, twenty six point five percent inline route rate. That's good. Let's let's ha- just have him be a tight end. Have him be a yes. freaking tight end, man. Right. So Kalush Shakir, I I I think there is he going to be a great player. I don't know, but I do think he is a viable NFL receiver that can do a little bit inside, a little bit outside. It allows Love you, it. like I said, Steph Diggs fifty seven point one percent of his routes from the slot against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like this allows you to do more with the guys Be that versatile. you already count on instead right. of just like, well, geez, we're not going to, uh, we're not going to have Kincaid run 30%, you know, plus routes, uh, from the outside. Cause we barely get open against the slot corner. We're not going to have him run outside <laughs> routes, you know? So I think the bills look good. Try good effort on the 11 and a half personnel stuff, run a regular offense. And, and I think they will be good. And again, too, I think I just from a real life perspective, too, it's like when you have Kincaid out there running routes, I would imagine you feel pretty comfortable about your slot corner. Um, I don't, I don't want to say locking him up, but at least staying competitive with him. Right. So that allows you to kind of, then kind of sort of shade towards the outside guys, too. Right. Mm. So it it. It, it makes it, again, you talk about these movable chess pieces, and I think you're 100% right, man. Um, them trying to shoehorn in Dawson Knox into this offense because Josh Allen likes the guy probably just wasn't working, you know? And it's no shade to, to Dawson I mean, Knox. They, get, they who, gave him a contract extension too, yeah. so uh, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, and listen, obviously his chemistry with Josh Allen, you can't totally ignore that, but you know, it's clear to me anyways, when you watch these guys play football, you got to get Kincaid on the field a lot more because he gives you a lot more juice. Um, and can, like the thing with Dawson Knox, he's just like a, a nice energy scrappy player, you know, but sometimes you need more than that, you know, and I feel like Dalton Kincaid has shown, uh, even in his rookie campaign, that he's got more juice, I think. Um, from an offensive standpoint um, than Dawson Knox. I don't know. So, uh, 
you're so right, dude. And look, we're burying the lead by, I mean, I'm all gassed up about damn Khalil Shakir. And, and I, I stand by being gassed up about mm-hmm. Khalil Shakir. But at the same time, yeah, the the, the best part about the fact that you st- fell ass backwards uh, into your, your best possible offense here with just a straight 11 personnel offense, you're getting more out of your first round pick than you That's were true. earlier in the year. You know, there right. were games where... Dawson Knox was barely involved. Like, how about that Washington game where he caught two passes for count them one, two, three yards uh, in that Washington game? And in the last two weeks, where Dawson Knox has been banged up, eight targets, eight catches, seventy-five yards against the Patriots. Obviously, that was in a loss. But then last week, that was easily his best game as a pro. Yeah, easily yeah. his best game easily. as a pro against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Five catches, sixty-five yards, and a touchdown. Um, the one route he had where he, he got open down the sideline and, and made a really nice catch. That's what Dalton Kincaid can bring you as a real tight end. So, yeah, we're, we're burying the lead here where, yeah, I'm excited about Khalil Shakir being unlocked in this right. offense. But really, I think he's going to unlock what they actually wanted out of Dalton Kincaid. Um, and I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing for their offense. It's a good yeah. thing to get this out of their first round pick. All right, so there you go. All right, that's the show, man. A little bit truncated, but that's okay. Good show. Uh, a lot of information that we passed along there uh, for the for the folks uh, who follow the podcast. And again, if it's your first time here, we appreciate y'all listening in. Um, man, it would be awesome if you guys would subscribe. Of course, share this podcast with friends and family who you think might enjoy uh, some high-level football conversation. So there you go. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see you. Remember, it's never too late to chase your dreams. All right, peace.